This is the iRacers Lounge, featuring the latest iRacing news, driver interviews, race reviews, opinions, discussions, rumors, and more. Now here's Alan Fajari and Mike Ellis. Welcome to iRacers Lounge, a show where we discuss iRacing in a group casual setting. My name is Alan Fajari. I'm here with Mike Ellis, Jose Paban, Colton Landis, Carlos Fonseca. Welcome, guys. Yeah, hey, hey. Glad to be here. All right, Colton, you're kind of new to this show, so we're going to do a little introduction for you. So uh, when and how did you start sim racing? Uh, I learned about iRacing probably about two years ago, but I didn't have a computer or anything to to get involved. I really wanted to. It looked like something that I would really enjoy. Um, December 2013, I got a crappy laptop. So I could run iRacing with it. I'm still using that crappy laptop. But yeah, it's I was hooked from the first day. I've been on a lot ever since. Still enjoying it. Well, that's good to know. What kind of other equipment do you use? What kind of wheel pedals? I'm using a Fanatec CSR wheel. The Fanatec CSR Elite pedals with the, the load cell brake. They're pretty nice. I've, I'm running... A 27-inch TV out of my laptop, single screen. All right. Uh, how often do you race, and what series do you normally race on? Uh, I probably race uh, three, two to four times a week. Uh, NIS, pretty much exclusively. You involved in any leagues? Uh, yes, I am. I run. Integrity Racing League, which I think you guys were talking a little bit about last time. That's a that's a great league. I run Mondays nights and Saturday nights there. All right. What's your uh, probably your most memorable race moment that you've had on iRacing? Um, last year in IS probably is when I won the uh, Brickyard race at Indianapolis. That was a good race for me. I made a last lap pass on the final restart. That was a fun race for me. Good to know. Yeah, I remember you last year uh, winning a Dover race that I was in. And uh, you did pretty well on that one. And then I think I uh, I kind of ruined a race for you one time with a pit strategy. And I ended up uh, spinning myself coming out of a pit. <laughs> Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that's the only race we've probably ruined for him. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that race. I think that was the first time I really met you, Alan. That was uh, back in, I guess, September. That would have been. I guess that's when they do the Dover race. So, yeah, I was dominated that whole race, and uh, there was a guy back, probably third place car, uh, with uh, saving fuel, trying to save fuel to the end, and he wasn't going to make it if the caution hadn't come out when you spun your car coming out of pit road. <laughs> I ended up finishing second. I think I blew up in that race. Yeah, I, I remember exactly what I did. I was uh, trying to get up to speed, and I was in third gear, and I went a little little too hard on the gas there coming out. I felt so bad that I kind of wrecked it for the rest of the people there. But uh, anyway, it was uh, we've had some interesting stuff since the last show. We've had uh, iRacing, or Inside Sim Racing posted a video on Tony Gardner's uh little Q&A at the iRace for Life uh, conference. 
and he had a lot of interesting stuff on a lot of big projects. Um, one of the things that he talked about was a new track surface uh, model coming, uh, where there's going to be rubber buildup, uh, heating up and cooling down, and uh, how the lines will change as the race uh, progresses. Uh, now, I'm personally looking forward to this because I would love to have multi-groove racing, and I'm not sure if this will do it, but it would be kind of neat. So, uh, anybody have some thoughts on that? Yeah, rubber buildup, clag, marbles, whatever you want to call it, it's going to change the whole game, I think, for oval racing. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, whether it makes a big difference or not, I think it will definitely be a change in the right direction. Uh, something we've really been looking forward to on the oval side. Um, if you don't mind me mentioning, um, I was doing a little bit of reading on that, and I realized that they were talking more about weather more than track condition. I'm not sure um, which direction they're really taking. I think I recall that there was a couple different things they talked about, and dynamic weather was something that they were talking about doing later after they finished the DX11, but definitely they're working this new track surface, and, and you're right, weather is an aspect of it because the asphalt or the cement, uh, the track surface will actually have a temperature as well, and that right. will determine grip as well, how much grip you have. Is there any word on how soon that's supposed to be coming? I haven't heard. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we heard the next season. So probably next year sometime? No, June, like the 12-week yeah. season thing. Yeah, coming out. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I kind of thought that the, the inclement weather uh, or the dynamic weather was going to be implemented on this next uh, update. We need a tire thing, like, uh, you know, not tire thing, just so, like the marbles and stuff Mike was talking about earlier was, uh, like, R-Factor 2. We need that in iRacing. Yeah, I did take some notes. So I did watch through this uh, video. It was quite long. Um, but what I heard was the track surface is hopefully ready in the next build in June. The dynamic track surface. And then weather would come later. Uh, because the next thing they're working on is what's called DX11. And basically that's the graphical engine that allows them uh, to, that the whole thing is run off of. And the, the system is on some older version of DX. Well, when they get up to this DX11, which they've been working on, it's going to allow them to do extra additional functionality. And one of those is that dynamic weather. Yeah, that's kind of what I got out of it, too. One thing I am really hope to be able to see with the new track surface, though, is the marbles. And you can see them up on up next, next to the wall in the high grooves and that type of stuff. I think that'd be really neat to see. Yeah, visually, how are they going to do it? That That's what's uh, interesting. And then, you know, what is it going to do to the physics of the car and the grip model and the tire model all mixed together? It's like very exciting stuff. I mean, this is huge news for iRacing. Well, not, not only that, let's also remember that they're also adding um, debris for tire. In other words, if you hit the sand, you're going to see sand on your tires, uh, so forth and so on. That's right. If you go off track, uh, your grip's going to know it. <laughs> so with all these people scrubbing their tires before a start, now will that become something that you pretty much have to do now? I, I think that's an open question. I think uh, we'll have to see. That'll be interesting to see what happens there because a lot, 
uh, or some people do that before they restart. They'll weave back and forth. But with the model we have now, I often wonder, does it really make much difference whether you do that or not? I don't think it really does now. And really, I don't really even... Like, beginning races, I used to do that and realized it just wasn't worth it. Usually, you'll see me, like, rev up and spin the tires one just a little bit right before you come out of, like, three and four. Yeah, I, I kind of heard that you might want to warm up your brakes, especially on in road racing. But uh, weaving back and forth doesn't do anything. That's what I've heard. But it would yeah. be interesting. It would be interesting if that's something that would come in play after the new build comes out. Yeah, and June is only a couple weeks away, guys, and that's uh, coming up real quick. He didn't promise June, you know, how Tony Gardner is. He never promises anything, but it seemed like he was pretty hopeful that uh, it was going to be in that build. Yeah. Uh, another thing that they got going on is a new uh, server farm in Brazil, and uh, they were planning by the end of the year, but it looks like it's only going to be for hosted sessions not uh, official sessions so that's uh that's pretty good and uh and another thing that we i believe we saw a youtube video on is they're separating the website from the sim and so the whole interface will be changing where you'll be jumping into uh the sim uh anybody else see that video yeah i did see that video that looked uh, it looked like it'd be a big change it'd be something we'll have to get used to here so what you're saying is it's no longer going to be a browser? Uh, I think it was, you're still going to have the browser, but that's only to uh, jump in like the like the first time. And then you'll be able to switch between races and everything else once you're in the sim. Isn't that uh, pretty much what you got out of it, Mike? Something like that. Like you go to the website and launch the prac the, the, the race you want to be in, and it dumps you into a practice for that race. And then it goes straight to qualifying, straight to race. You don't leave the sim from that point. I do think when that race is over, though, the sim turns off and you're back at the website. My problem with this, and my initial thought is, I got this big old mothership computer with nine fans in it, a big old radiator, and it puts off a ton of heat when I race. I purposely don't go into practices and just sit and let that thing run because I don't want it hot before I start the race. Now they're saying what I'm hearing is the sim's going to be running most of the time now, and I don't really have that choice. So I'm anxious to see if how this is actually implemented. Can you skip that and only launch it when you want to go into the race, perhaps? Are there going to be options? That's what I want to know. Yeah, good question. But another thing that they were talking about is you basically when you sign up for a race, you're going to be going right into practice too. So... Um, it sounds like they're going to have the practice before the race, which also seems like they're going to do more of a shift, which they're doing on some uh, road races, road series, is have the qualifying before the race. That's something um, that I would like to see in most series. That's a, that's that's good. But then, you know, how would they do the, the splits, though, too? If you're jumping into a practice, you know, are you know, are you like in that session? So it's gonna be like first come, first serve, and you're in that, or or is it still gonna break down into splits like after practice, and then they'll yeah split at the latter. He actually addressed that. There was a question about that, and he basically said they would reshuffle the deck um, af after the queue. 
Okay. So like you were practicing with X, you know, these guys, and then, you know, once you've qualified and you'll be in a totally different group of guys, probably, you know? Yeah. Um, he also mentioned something about that uh, Daytona 500 issue that we had. Um, and it ended up being a hosted race where some admins were doing something that kind of messed up their system. And it happened to be at the time of that Saturday afternoon, uh, Daytona 500. And so it ended up being just bad timing on that. Um, so that's, so it really wasn't a DDoS issue on, on the Daytona 500 this year. So um, that's nice to know that they weren't hacked, but it also seems, what were those admins doing? <laughs> well, he didn't address the DDoS at all in the talk that I heard. Um, and I, and the ones that they did come out and say were DDoS, I do believe happened after that event at the Daytona 500. Uh, personally, I don't believe that aspect about a hostess session affecting the Daytona 500 at all. Even if you had 30 admins in one session, I don't see that affecting a server when the problem supposedly was on the hostess side of the, side of the server. Yeah, you, you elaborated a little bit, Jose, but he said the detail of the issue was there was too many uh, ad administrators for a particular hosted race, and it broke the system somehow. That's kind of what I heard. Yeah, I heard the same thing, but I still tend to disagree with that philosophy um, for some reason. I just don't see it, a hosted session affecting uh, a server issue such as the Daytona 500. I mean, we've had this problem in the past where the system crashes on a big event. Um, personally, I think the server was just not capable of handling the amount of people that joined the race for the Daytona 500. Well, Jose, your words certainly have credence when you look at history and look at what's happened in previous years and, and anyone who's been around for any uh, period of time, uh, probably thinking that too. <laughs> yeah, this problem like all started back, I think it was 2010, you know, 2.4. And, uh, you know, the servers... I'd say they're a lot better now than what they used to be. Yeah, my the only time I really had any issues were last year's Indy 500 and this year's Daytona 500. That's the only time I've really come across uh, these uh, server issues type of thing. But otherwise, I was affected by one of those uh, DDoS things on, on one of the NIS races at the Planet of the Race. Um, but he also mentioned something about the uh, Indy 500 qualifying this year, that it's only going to be f uh, five minutes long to eliminate people running out of gas before making a run. Now, I wasn't too sure about this. Uh, Mike, can you elaborate on this? Yeah, so like you go at a, a problem in the past is you go to qualify for Indy and you sit there and you run the, you rev the engine up in neutral before you do your run. And you do that until your time is almost out, and then you do your run. And what happens is you burn that gas off, and it makes the car lighter and, and so forth, and uh, gives you a better time. So that, that was the, in, the insinuation there. Sorry, I can't even speak. Uh, the insinuation there 
but basically he said, yeah, we're just going to eliminate that 15 minutes of qualifying or however long that session is. Maybe it's 10 minutes. We're going to make it only five minutes to basically force people to run, go out, you know, almost immediately to do your four laps. Okay. Cause, uh, you know, four laps at Indy, uh, five minutes, you're barely going to get it done in time. Yeah. Did you hear if they're making any change from, I believe it's a uh, average lap time of four laps. I don't recall. Yeah, me neither. I don't uh, remember them making any change on that. Uh, one thing I would like to see, though, is not um, having the splits based on qualifying time like they did last year. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Alan. You get you get guys who can qualify fast but can't drive at all. and They're in the top splits with the guys who are actually fast. and it, it's It's just better if you have... The, the, the split's based on I ratings. You have guys with similar actual driving skill levels racing together. Right, exactly. And, you know, I know from my split, I know at least one guy who had a slow qualifying time because, you know, I was just using the fixed setup. And so he was in in my split, but his car was much faster than anybody else's. So, you know, I guess it's possible they qualified with the fix and then got himself a setup. But um, if it was by I-rating, you know, he never would have been in my race. So I'm hoping they make that change this year. Just go by I-rating. Uh, another thing that they plan to release is the Ashton Martin GT1 car. And uh, that kind of leads me in discussion about some of the Season 3 road changes that they have is that the Aston Martin is going to be joining the Corvettes in the same class uh, for racing there. So um, that might be interesting. Hopefully it brings up the participation uh, in that series. Anybody plan on getting that car? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I probably will. I've had some fun driving in the Corvette before. I haven't, haven't driven it in a while. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, I'm, I personally will probably buy the Aston Martin. I don't own the Corvette, so I, I'm probably get the Aston Martin because when they come out with the GT3 version, it's probably going to be included. You know, where if you already own the GT1, they'll give you the GT3, kind of like the the Ford GT thing they did. And uh, so you get two cars for one price, and so I'll probably end up doing that and and joining some of those races. And uh, I don't see. Go ahead. I believe that they're. Isn't the roof cup being moved? I uh, they're gonna change it to fixed. And I believe fixed the open is gonna be in uh what the World Sports Car Series or or Enza now. Yeah, it's in there now. Um, but yeah, they're gonna change just the the roof cup to to a fixed series. Which uh, which I think will gain participation in that series. Um, I know a lot of in the forums, there's a lot of talk about how a lot of people are not going to race it anymore. But I, you know, just like the Global Challenge, uh, when they changed that to fix, the participation went way up. And another thing they're going to do is, uh, which I think is the biggest change of all for the Season 3, is the Blanc Plain Sprint will have qualifying before the race and limited fuel, so you're going to have to make a pit stop. That's interesting. That's the 
most popular road series, right? Uh, besides the uh, the Mazda Cup, the rookie thing, yes, it is. It's very very popular, and uh, and so just having, I think just having a limited fuel to make people make a pit stop is is going to be very very interesting on this because that brings strategy into play. Take tires, don't take tires. How much fuel, you know, that type of stuff. And it's just to me, that's just going to pit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you, yeah, either short pit or uh, try to last as long as possible there. So, but I'm sure that most people probably just cut the race in half and then pit, which is uh, what you what you used to see on the 70 minute races. Uh, another thing that they're they're working on a couple of tracks. One is Rockingham, and this is the UK version of Rockingham. Um, anybody ever seen a race on that track? Unfortunately, the, the last race I saw there was, uh, cart days, uh, when Alex Zanardi uh, lost his legs. I don't recall seeing a race there ever since, actually. Yeah, me neither. It's a, it's an oval track. It's not like the one in, uh, North Carolina at all. Um, it's it's pretty much a flat oval track reminds me more of indy and uh yeah the last race i've ever seen there or actually the only race i've ever seen there was the one where the alexander had his accident yeah that was the first race there for that series and after the accident they never went back has uh anybody besides myself and mike saw that uh accident that the zanardi had Negative. It's a one and a half mile, and you're right. It's shaped very much like Indianapolis. Uh, and one side uh, turns uh, three, two and three are actually a little bit narrower. Um, it's an interesting oval. It's got some banking, I believe. Yeah, uh, actually, very little, very little banking. But. Uh... Just to tell you a little bit about the Zanardi accident, he was coming out of the pits, spun it, went out on track, and then was T-boned by another car. And it basically took the, destroyed the total front end, and of course that's where the legs sit in the, in one of those uh, cart cars. And uh, and so the, his legs were gone after, after that. And uh, he's actually made a, a remarkable recovery um, from that, and his, his, you know, I've seen a story on him. His attitude's just fantastic, and uh, he, you know, he, he's able to walk. He's able to do a lot of things, and he's also uh, very back into sports, including uh, the bicycle where you have to use your hands. He's uh, races in those, and then he's also racing in the, I think the Blanc um series, where BMW made a special car for him, where he can control a lot of the uh, the parts of the car with it just his hands. Right. Yeah, he's a triathlete. You know, swimming, the whole thing. You know, marathon, and he has no legs, and it's amazing. He's a an amazing guy. Um, I was a huge Alex Zanardi fan uh, back in the day there. 
and uh, it was a very traumatic accident, probably the most traumatic I've ever seen. And like you said, he was coming off pit road and it was a very thin pit road, much like Homestead where there's grass on either side kind of thing. And he, he was just too hot coming off of there and it slid off into the grass and, and he, he, it was out of his hands at that point. It just lost control of the car. It slid up into the track and those guys, uh, nailed him and, Thank God for Terry Trammell. Uh, Dr. Terry Trammell was there within seconds. And, and if he wasn't there to tourniquet those, uh, those leg stumps, uh, we would have lost him for sure. Yeah, I think I heard that he only had like a pint of blood left in him. Yeah, it was really bad. Oh. Yeah, very interesting. And so uh, has anybody heard when they were planning on releasing that track? Well, I heard it was scanned, but that doesn't mean anything about release. So uh, it's probably a ways off. Uh, lots of times they scan these things and then they don't actually build them for a while. Maybe oh, yeah. They would take like Long Beach out of the tech tracks and start working on it. I agree with you there, Carlos. I, uh, you know, I really don't care about the accuracy of the buildings around Long Beach or any of those city courses, you know. If they, if you have buildings and they're just generic, that would be fine with me. I mean, yeah, I own that. people can mod, you know, tracks like that. Why not? Yeah, I own the that tech the tech track version of that, and it, you know, it looks it looks pretty dumb with the way they have it now as a tech track. But it's a it's extremely fun to drive around. It'd be really cool to have that track finished. Yeah, and there's plenty of other tracks like that where they're in city. You think about Detroit, Toronto, you know, uh, Monaco, one of the most famous tracks there is in road racing. You know, it would be nice to have that. So another track that they're uh, that they're working on is Five Flags Speedway, and uh, I guess there's a a rumor that's going to be out in the next build. Yeah, somebody saw it in a. I saw somebody post that they saw it in the season three uh, schedule on the, some car. So uh, obviously, it's a new f uh, track because we don't have that track in iRacing. Well, that's a short track, right? It's home of the Snowball Derby in Pensacola, Florida. Yep, it is a short track. So it'll be on all your late models, SK mods, you know. T-Mods, that type of stuff. It's a half mile. Which is short. <laughs> Which is very short. All right. And let's uh, kind of talk about the uh, last two races in the NIS. We raced at Talladega and Kansas. Now, everyone really got to try the new draft model at Talladega. Uh, what are your thoughts, guys, on the new draft model? Well, for me, I hated it at first, but once you get used to it, it becomes actually kind of fun being able to, you know, at the beginning of our race, we had, you know, packs of two wide, three wide at one point. So it was pretty interesting, I think. For me, I've always hated plate racing, and uh, it took the unenjoyable plate racing that we had before and made it even more unenjoyable <laughs> just for me personally. Now you got a top five though, Colton. 
Uh, yeah, well, I got a lucky top five. I also got a few outside the top 25, so. Yeah, you really got to, like, have teamwork there and, you know, working with people. I personally did not like the new draft model. Um, I was able to, in the past, push hard, uh, push other cars to the front, for example, or stay with the lead group if I was in the rear by pushing or getting pushed. Uh, with this new draft model, it was virtually impossible to even touch the bumper at times. Yeah, the, the, the plate racing just takes a very different set of skills to, to do well there. The, the thing I don't like about plate racing is... is just so much is out of your hands. You know, there's nothing you can do if you can get caught up in a big crash so easy or shuffle to the back so easily. It's just not fun for me. Well, my take was, first of all, there's a problem if you're the last car, you're going to lose the draft if you're not careful. And they got to fix that because it's really not fair to that last guy in the pack or whatever. There's just no way to keep up. It's literally impossible. The other thing was, there was a lot of line, everybody running in a line. And at times we could pack up. And I was kind of surprised at times that, you know, it would we would get in a pack. But a lot of the race was run, you know, in a single file line. And what's interesting was, we went and go watch the actual uh, race at Talladega in real NASCAR. And they were doing the same thing. So maybe they did get the drafting model right. Except we were at the bottom and they were right next to the wall. Yeah, actually, I like the new draft model. And, you know, I I lost the draft plenty of times in the races I've done. And, but I have to drive different than the old draft model. You can't just lift anymore and keep up with the pack unless you got someone or more than one car behind you um you have to keep in the gas and so to me it seemed more realistic than the old one because the old one you could be yeah you could be last car in the pack and you could still ride on low line you could still lift and then catch up to the car in front of you because the the suck up was so good, you know, you're able to able to do that. But now there's, there's no lifting. You are now using the brakes to slow down instead of lifting, um, which I find more realistic. And it's actually, I find more challenging now than the old model used to be. Yeah. At no. the beginning, I was worried. Uh, I was like, Oh my God, cause this is my bread and butter. This is where I get my wins these days is, Talladega and Daytona and I was worried am I still going to be have what I I've done in the past but somehow it, even though it's different it seems I want to say the cream rose to the top the usual guys that run up front ended up from up front regardless of the draft model um and, and I was pleased about that and one thing I noticed is it is more realistic in a way that you can get two packs running as long as the one on the outside has more cars. It's like it is for real, you know. The more cars you have, the faster that line moves. So that's, that's something there. Right, definitely. So if you add more than just the team racing or dual racing, where you got the two packs, two cars going, um, if you add a line, 
you're you're definitely going faster than just the two cars, and that is realistic. And uh, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was fun, even though there was plenty of times I I lost the lost the pack, lost the draft. Um, I thought I thought it was fun, and it's also making me drive differently than what I used to, and so it's also kind of a, a nice learning experience too. Because yeah, we were back we were back about I don't know second and a half two seconds off a pack in front of us, so we all lined up and we were running them down. You know, it was just like you had mentioned, Carlos. It was the same as the real NASCAR race, except they were on the top and we were on the bottom. What's the difference there? Could we run on the top, or it just would? You know, I racing just doesn't allow it. I mean, because the the bottom is faster. Well, I think that if you had the if you had a decent line up on top, you can run the top. There's no doubt about it. You know, there's plenty of times I saw. Uh, a nice line up on top go fast faster than the bottom because on the bottom you still you're still checking up some and on top if you're if you don't have a car that doesn't have the the push you know when you're going in the corners and your, your tires are kind of worn out you end up pushing towards the wall if everyone is not have, having that push then you got a nice line, it stays tight, and you can run fast. Let's talk a little bit about the tandem. Uh, you know, that was a thing of, of two or three years ago, but you can still do it to a degree. Uh, you know, they've really closed up the front of these cars, so it gets hot. Um, have they closed them up enough, do you think? Uh, is it too much, too little? I think they really found a sweet spot where if you can connect, you can push briefly. That's the one thing there about tandeming. It it used to be the way more advantageous over the random, you know, just single file racing, but now it just seems to be just equal with being in a pack. Unless you do it right. Like, you can push for a little while, like I say, but then you have to stop pushing and cool off, and you lose any advantage you gained, you know? And me and you, Mike, experienced that a little bit. I know in a, a few of the races that we did, I'd push you for a lap or two, and then I'd run hot, and we'd have to switch. And uh, you, you just lose so much momentum when you got to switch. But I, I think it's pretty realistic, though. And that just brings up the whole other issue, too. If you get too much on the side of someone's bumper, you're going to spin them no matter what you do. It's almost impossible to save that car. Yeah, there were a lot of people not pushing in the corners. Is that what you're alluding to? Yep. Yeah, that's that's always been kind of dangerous is that someone gets inside of you on a corner and kind of hooks you when they're know, trying to push. I know when the Gen 6 came out, like that first build that we tried, I think it was a Daytona or Talladega, I don't remember what, but you could get hit in the bumper and it would make you really loose, but I don't know, the car seemed really stable now. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, th I thought it was fun, so that's that's my opinion on it. I I really liked it. Um, and uh, Kansas was the last race. Uh, what do you guys think of uh, Kansas? Ugh. It was uh, hectic. It was. I was looking forward to Kansas since it was after Talladega, and I I did okay. Uh, I had a few 
a bad luck races, but overall I think I did okay. It was a mile and a half, my favorite type of track. Not my favorite mile and a half, but you know, it wasn't bad. Also, no passing. Yeah, there's no passing there. It, it was a disaster, I think. And I think that this is where I want to talk about the top split versus the second split. And I'm right at that uh, I rating where it's I can get into either one. I'm, I can get into the bottom of the top split sometimes, or I'm in the second split. It's amazing the difference in racing between the two. Uh, the people in yep. top split are just nuts. Yeah, you're exactly right. I'm I'm about at the same I rating as you. Uh, some in the second split, some in the top, and I definitely have learned that I prefer the second split. The, the, the cleaning's just much better. I don't know what it is, but the second split's just way better. Well, we were talking about what is going on in that first split, and you know, I think it's just, you know, and I don't want to offend anybody, but it's big egos, you know, big egos with big I ratings, all, hey, and everyone thinks they can win, and they're all going for it. And it yeah. just, it, it's everyone trying too hard is kind of is what the situation is, I think. There's too many guys that want either a win or nothing at all, and they'll do anything they can to get that win. They don't want a second or a third or a fourth. They want a win, and they'll, they'll do anything to get it. And they'll move you out of the way or whatever. Yeah, I, I kind of put it out as if you had a real high high rating and you lose 100 uh, points in a race, it's not that big of a deal because you're still going to be in the top split the next race. Right. But if you're sitting at 3,500 and you lose 100, you might be dropping, dropping down. And right, there's so, more to lose there. There's less right. to lose when you're that higher I rating guy. Now, I, I watched uh, Kevin O'Keefe's uh, race at Richmond, and he was in the top split. And there was a lot of the top guys in there. And what I saw was as soon as these guys knew that they weren't going to win, that means a, a wreck and not necessarily sit in the pits for 30-minute type of wreck either. But as soon as they wrecked, they would disconnect from the server. So that kind of told me that it was, you know, win or out. And, you know, so it, there's no thought on trying to get the best finish you possibly can or anything like that. It was just win or, win or out. And so I think that really makes a difference between on how these guys, how these guys race and, and uh, why the top split is, seems to have well, not and, as good as good thing. Right, and and last week was really uh, a perfect storm, as I'll call it, because it was Kansas, and you can't pass. I actually had a couple good runs, and I was leading uh, the most laps at one point, but I was holding people up, and they didn't like it, and they let me know about it, and it was not pr a pretty situation, you know, where you're basically being threatened to be wrecked, uh, you know, if you don't move out of the way and you don't want to just pull over and give up the lead to a race, you know? And, uh, there was a lot of that going on. Uh, and it wasn't just with me. Uh, you know, I had witnessed it with other drivers, uh, the, the same kind of scenario. So it was a, a tough week, uh, with the Kansas and you could only run up at the top and, and, uh, man, 
Yeah, it kind of reminded me of a post I saw uh, one time in the NIS, but it was it was about Bristol. But a guy posted where, you know, if if he was if if you're a slower car, you better run the low line, otherwise you're going to get wrecked. And you know, I kind of thought, well, why wouldn't the faster car try to pass you clean? Why would he wreck you to get by you? You know, that's not racing. That's just you know, that's just saying, hey, that's my position. I'm faster. Move out of my way. Yeah, that's pretty much how I felt in my race. I had uh, some guy in front of me. I tried to pass for like the last 25 laps, and I just couldn't. But I never, you know, tried to move him out of the way. Never did anything, you know, unsportsmanlike and got a fourth place out of it. Even though I tried a last-ditch effort on the last lap. And I could see why the faster guys, you know, if you're behind somebody who's slower, especially at a place like Kansas, Kansas why that would be frustrating just because... You go to the low line. Yeah. Behind you, they're gonna pass you. Yeah, but that—that's racing, though. Is that you know you have to, especially if it's four position. Now, if it's a lap car, you know you probably should move down and let the let the leaders go, because um, that's more sportsmanlike. But if if someone's in the lead or or just ahead of you on on the same lap as you and you happen to be faster sorry you know you gotta try to pass them clean that's just that's racing that's yeah the way and it you is. know how i got the lead and bumped my way forward it was in the pit stops i was just having killer pit stops and they weren't and i was gaining positions on pit road we weren't passing on the track yeah i know in in my races i did um, I, you know, I was behind a car that was slower and, and stuff. And I'd try to, I would always try to make a move on the inside, and, but I didn't want to do the slide job in front of them and, and, uh, and put myself in position or, or him and, and wreck them. And so I would, I would try to keep low and I would not have them, that momentum coming off the corner and he would have the momentum and it probably took me, you know, good 10, 15 laps before I was able to get by the guy. But basically you're just waiting for them to make a mistake, get into the wall or whatever. So I found Kansas to be, and I have for the last two seasons now, pretty frustrating. Yeah. I think that's a good word to sum up Kansas. And plus, what they really need to do is if someone spins off of off of uh, turn two there, and they go down off the track, don't throw a caution. Right. Yeah, you because know, another thing that allows happen is is that I I do think that people would be a little bit more careful uh, coming off of two if they find themselves basically losing a lap or getting in the back or whatever because they spun off of it and there was no caution. Can we take a minute and compare the racing to the real NASCAR at Kansas? I mean, what was different? I mean, we did that with Talladega and it was very similar, but Kansas, I'm not sure it was. Multiple lines. Yeah, right. you can run the low line at Kansas in real Real life racing in Kansas is great. It's it's great to watch on TV. Drivers can drive anywhere. Uh, the racing is great. Just without that um, that uh, new track surface model that we'll be getting soon. Uh, there's there's only one line at Kansas, and you know, it's that's what I'm go. saying. You know, come June we have that new track surface. 
Kansas might be a totally different beast. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Let's so hope. let's cross our fingers, huh? Yeah, because then it would be a great track. You know, I, I would, you know, but a lot of people can't run that top. They, you'd see them hitting the wall every other lap. You know, a lot of people can't run that top line. And not uh, only that, just the concentration is ridiculous. Right next to the wall, if you make one mistake, you're in it. Yeah, you really have to focus, and these long races makes it tough. I think the first night I ran it, I made it to halfway without touching the wall, and then I finally hit it, and it was just a matter of focus, really. Yeah, another thing, though, too, is with that wall there, and you're following a car, and you're both driving along the wall. That car, the car in front of you hits that wall, you're screwed. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I had a thing where I wouldn't, I would see these guys line up, literally nose to tail, like five or six of them, and run that high line. If any one of them gets in trouble, like you said, they're like sheeple, you know, running off a cliff. They're all in it. So I was always hesitant to not get in those lines, and I would always have an escape route. I know, Jose, you were talking about you would always hold it down about half a lane so you could get out. That is correct. Uh, several times I found myself that the person in front of me would hit the wall, and if I didn't have that little buffer in the mid middle lane, I would have ended up behind them. I actually ended up wrecking once because of that, which taught me the lesson of uh, staggering my, my, uh, my the rear behind the guy. So um, yeah, I definitely kept myself open to an escape route uh, when I was behind another car. Right. Well, let's hope they get that fixed, and let's hope that Kansas becomes a a great uh, two groove racetrack. But being that you mentioned uh, comparing the real NASCAR to uh, iRacing when it came to Kansas, if you notice the race in NASCAR, most of them were coming off the low line uh, out of turn three and four, for example, compared to us that was maintaining the high line. Um, very different driving, especially it, it, with the multiple groove, um, which again, going back to uh, the track condition and uh, the implementation of uh, dynamic tracks, um, that would definitely make a difference, not only in Kansas, but I think in every single track in iRacing. Yeah, I'm very hopeful. Same here. Yeah, it should be fun. And, and also, if they could do that, that really helps out a bunch of other tracks like Las Vegas. And a lot of those uh, 1.5 milers will have a couple of grooves. I would also like to see it at Bristol, too, be able to run the low line at Bristol. Well, even in real life, real life, Bristol is a somewhat a one-lane racetrack, pretty much around the top lane uh, in real life. Yeah, it is now. I don't know if you recall uh, a few years back. It was always it was the low line. Everyone ran the low line, and if you got caught up high, you're going to be losing spots. Well, that was before they had that progressive banking, right? If I had run down there. Yep. Yep. But it would be it would be fun. It would be fun if you can run side by side and still keep uh, keep up the speed. So, yeah, Kansas was just frustrating. I think frustrating for all, including people that won races, including people that did well. <laughs> all right. Um, there was uh, something in the leagues that came up recently, and that uh, a a league that that takes 
money from its participants um, did not pay out any prize money. Um, now, I, I guess, I, I don't know, my, th my thoughts on this a little bit is that, you know, though I, I run a league and I'm in a league in the league and both of them have no money from the racers uh, whatsoever. And even though there might be prize money, but it, it would come from sponsors. Um, the league I run has no prize money. It's just all pride. But the, uh, the league I run in, uh, uh, the IRL, uh, has prize money for uh, for the league champion and, and a couple other things. But they have sponsors that pay that out. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on leagues and and money changing hands? Well, yeah, I saw this on Facebook, and I, you know, it, you just hear more and more about this. We're not going to talk about this particular league that didn't pay out their prize money, but you hear more, hear this more and more. Uh, I heard this last fall a, a couple times. There were some some money races that people weren't getting paid on, or Another variation of that is you're about to win the the race and take their money, but they they gang up on you or they admin you out away from the win, like uh, you know EOLs or black flags and that kind of thing. I've heard of that too. Um, anyway, I try to stay away from the you know I don't think you should have to pay to to, to race. Um, and there's a lot of good racing out there, as you suggest, that you don't have to. So why do it? And, and lots of times they're, they're kind of just schemes to, to get your the money out from under you. I think you just got to be careful when you're looking for leagues to run in. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's something you got to be, uh, any, any league that asks for money, I think you have to kind of really check out, see how long they've been around. Um, see who runs in it, ask people who run in it. How's it like, because um, you definitely don't want to be paying for something that might not be good. And you're right, Mike. I've heard about the cases where it was it was they would like have their friends uh, put them in position to win the money, and and so that's that's not good. The admin has too much power to be able to control what happens for there to be money online, if you ask me. Right. Exactly. And uh, that's exactly why, you know, there's a couple leagues, uh, you know, we're involved in and, and lots of times we don't admin on purpose just to keep it above board, you know, and not one guy has all that power. I'm real hesitant about paying for, for uh, racing like that. Um, there's some, and, and we certainly don't want to discourage it completely. There's certainly some leagues out there that use the money effectively and uh and pay it out effectively um and it works but you just got a buyer beware situation right one example of a league that does uh require payment and they have done a good job and it's mostly for their broadcasting which is the rsr uh league um you know they i think it cost like drivers almost like three dollars a race but that's to pay for the broadcasting that they do and They've always done a, a up and up job in that league, so a little promo for them. So anyway, 
but otherwise, uh, you know, yeah, be just be careful. That's all. That's all. I think we're trying to convey here. Um, also, I think uh, a few of us have jumped into uh, hosted races from uh, time to time. Some uh, some random stuff that we just see on the hosted. And uh, I, th I think this might be just more of an advice thing. Uh, Mike, you want to give out that advice? Well, I just uh, take note of a, a random hosted race I jumped in uh, with it being an off week with NIS. Uh, it's been kind of quiet. Um, Matt Malone, um, maybe you guys know him, he runs uh, Grip TV, and he's one of the more popular iRacers on uh, Twitch. And he has quite a following over there on Twitch. Uh, he usually runs like the Mazda car, road course, that kind of stuff. And I, anyway, I saw him hosted up a room. So uh, it's always fun when Matt Malone hosts a, hosts a room. Jumped in there, USA uh, International, with the, the IndyCar DW12 and the Legend car. And uh, boy, what a mix. But I jumped into practice, and it was actually the, uh, quite fun. Uh, the Legends were, were staying down low. The Indy cars were up high. And, uh, and we were just flying around that joint and, uh, went to go run the race, but he had the cautions turned on. Uh, and I, it just wasn't going to work, uh, and everybody bailed, but Hey, you got to turn the cautions off when you run those kind of races. Yep. So that's our piece of advice for anybody that's going to be hosting any of these random races, turn those cautions off. Otherwise they could be just a huge wreck fest, especially when you're doing that that type of thing where you got uh, the real mix of cars in there. Yep. Yep. A little word on Matt Malone. I uh, have to congratulate him on what he's done with the grip TV. And he's, he started that and uh, he's actually put together something that's pretty entertaining for a lot of people. He's, he's, uh, he's has a, a few races that uh, have joined him and they all, uh, uh, broadcast over Twitch and uh, have YouTube channels, and uh, most of them are pretty decent racers. And uh, you know, like Matt's pretty entertaining to watch, and uh, so is uh, uh, JP Lamy, who's a Finnish and a very good road racer. And uh, so I congratulate him on uh, what he's able to uh, to do there with that Grip TV and the Grip TV Nation. Yeah, I kind of, I'm part of the Grip TV Nation sometimes. Uh, when I'm at work, I get that email and he went live. I'll I'll click on it and watch for five minutes and he is entertaining. We should get him on here for an interview. Yeah, I think so. He, he is entertaining. He, he races kind of wild though, but they got this uh, motto over there at Grip TV, which is uh, never lift. <laughs> never lift. But yeah, he's, uh, he's entertaining. Um. I also uh, wanted to mention that uh, Ty Majeski is now sponsored in real life by iRacing. Uh, so I want to make sure we congratulate Ty on that. Um, I'd like to know how that came about. Hopefully we could talk to Ty and uh, find out how that came about. But uh, Ty's a very good uh, racer. He races up in Wisconsin for the most part. Yeah, and it's a super, uh, it looks like a late model, maybe a super late model. And the car looks ab absolutely fabulous with the iRacing across the hood. And I applaud iRacing for, for getting involved in these real racing efforts, especially 
with our own drivers like Ty. Um, Ty is the highest I rating ever in iRacing. And uh, he's out there representing us and he's making us look good. Uh, um, so I'm very happy to see this and, and, and hope they, they continue to sponsor him as he moves up through the ranks. Yeah, or, or sponsor other people that, that are on iRacing um, too that are real racers. Right. Uh, you know, not everyone's going to have that skill as Ty, and they're not going to sponsor everyone. But it's nice to actually see them actually start in that direction. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, how they know Ty is through iRacing. And it's very cool that uh, that that they were able to get together and uh, put put together a sponsorship for that. So that's really neat. Yeah, you know, we've seen them do quarter panels um, and stuff like that uh, for sponsorship. But I think this is the first time I've seen them, you know, sponsor the entire car. At least I've seen. Yeah, the entire car for for a series too. Yeah, so not just a race, just a... a whole series, right? It's the uh, Arca Midwest, I believe. Yeah, they race up there in Wisconsin. I shouldn't say up there. For me, it's actually down there a little bit. <laughs> but right. yeah, it's uh, but uh. I'm happy for him, and I hope he does real well. Um, another thing that uh, that there was was that uh, iRacing was in a race tech magazine where they were featuring some of uh, how they were developing their cars for sim racing based off the off the real cars and and. Uh, so that was uh, that was in Race Tech magazine. Um, you can actually see it online. Um, Mike, you did you read that uh, article? Yeah, this is a real magazine, like they print, and it's from the UK. And it's really the audience is actual race engineers in Formula One, uh, Formula Three, uh, all the the American IndyCar and even NASCAR engineers. This is a magazine for them. And when you read through the magazine, it's all about real racing, real technology, real racing engineering. Well, this article that is a uh, cover feature article was basically about two of the engineers that iRacing has hired from real racing. Uh, one of them is Eric Hudek. And they have amazing uh, knowledge about real racing and real racing cars and, and how things work. And they're the ones actually deciding how much grip does this car have, how much aero grip does this car have, um, and, and all those decisions on um, where's the torque line, uh, at what RPM is torque felt, and that kind of stuff. All the decisions on how a car is going to drive are made by these two individuals. And they actually talk in this article about, hey, how do I decide to build this car? And it's very, very interesting discussion to hear uh, all the different inputs that they have available to tweak and adjust to make it feel like a real car when you're driving it. Yeah, it's a very interesting read. So if you haven't gone out there and uh, read it yet, uh, suggest it and uh, learn kind of about how how serious iRacing is with putting together all the mechanics in in the sim world from the real world it's a uh, very interesting yeah it's cool that iRacing is getting their name out there more too 
Yes, it is. They were even uh, part of the article. I want to note they talked about the draft model that we were discussing earlier too, um, and and how they're watching the real uh, world racing and, and adjusting our our racing accordingly. It's it's fascinating, and definitely check it out. It's racetechmag.com. Yeah, and you say page 30 is where this article is on that? Yeah, it's actually the cover story, so you're going to see it right on the cover uh, of the entire magazine. Uh, this is the June issue, uh, June 2015. All right. So everyone check that out. And also, I believe in the hardware section in the forums, uh, someone has a new product out. Uh, it's a wood-based triple monitor mount. I checked this out, and uh, it looked like something that, uh, that will come with everything that you need to put it together, the instructions on how to put it together. It's uh, not that expensive. It's very adjustable for your triple monitors, and uh, it looked like a pretty neat uh, product. Um, Mike, I think you found this. Do uh, you have any, uh, any more input on that? Yeah, you know, a lot of people with triples really struggle with a proper monitor mount. I know I do. I got the Obutto Revolution. I have the Obutto Revolution triple monitor mount. And it's just, it just barely stands up on its own. It, it's about to fall over. It, it, it's just not right. And, and I'm making it work. But I'm always looking at these other products that people are putting together. And, and this guy is just another iRacer who decided to build it out of wood. It's Randall Johnson from Florida. Um, and, and you'll have to check him out on the forums if you're interested in looking this up. I don't think it has a proper name. Uh, he calls it Stand in the Box is what he calls it. Um, but it's made out of wood. Uh, he has it all basically pre-drilled uh, and, and cut and everything with all the hardware. He boxes it up. You, he sends it to you and you put it together. Uh, one neat thing it's got is it's got legs that go down under the left and right monitors. Uh, so it's very supportive of, of your triples. And it's also got provisions to put what's called a hood over the top. You know those black hoods that they, they uh, put over the top of the monitors over your head for, uh, invert. you know, what do they call it, immersion? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it kind of darkens up everything and puts everything in... Uh... Where you can't see anything else, which is sometimes kind of nice. I don't know that this monitor would work with the Obutto because of the stand that's underneath the left and right monitor because you got the gear shift and the keyboard tray that kind of swing out away from the chair. I think it would hit those. But for other cockpits, uh, Jose, you have the R-seat, right? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, so this would work really good with the R-seat, I think, and and even other like sim experience uh, cockpits. Yeah, it's a it's a neat little. Uh, well, I shouldn't say little. It's a it's a neat little product that he has there, and it's uh, inexpensive, and it and it's pretty easy uh, from the directions and everything to put it together, and everything comes in a nice little package for you to to be able to do it, and it, I hear. And it uh, really works well, and it's really stable. Yeah, lots of uh, good feedback on the forums. Uh, if you're interested, Randall Johnson 
uh, is the iRacer who uh, put this together. Go search him up. Yep. So good job, Randall. All right, a couple more uh, iRacing uh, things is that uh, in the NIS, we got the Coca-Cola 600 happening next week. And then after that, we got Dover. Uh, Anybody have any uh, strategies, thoughts? Survive. Well, I think at Charlotte, we're going to have not the single file racing like we had at Kansas. So... I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the, you should be able to pass. Uh, tires wear out. Uh, people are going to push up off the bottom. You'll be able to go underneath them. Uh, should be good racing. I'm excited for it. 600 miles is a long ways to go. Boy, that's. I'm looking forward to the long runs next week in Charlotte because I'm I'm a long run guy. I, I'm I do okay on the short runs, but when we really get a long run, is where I really excel. Uh, for whatever reason, my tires just don't wear out as fast as most guys, so that'll be good for me. I'm a little jittery in regards to the fixed and the open series. Uh, as we were speaking earlier about it before the, uh, this event, um, we realized that on the fixed setup, going into the turns was very tight, but coming out of the turn, if you throttle up, you tend to loosen up extremely to a point where you'll end up wrecking. So. It's going to take a lot of throttle control, a lot of patience, especially for 600 miles of racing um, on both the fixed and the open. Um, again, I haven't done any open yet, so I don't know about the setups, but I'm assuming that with a good setup, you should be able to run well. Yeah, I'm, I love the 400 laps around Charlotte. Um, and... I kind of agree with what I saw in the form of what people's predictions of how the race goes, which is a uh, bunch of wrecks in the beginning, and then very long green flag runs uh, near the end. And because that's what I saw last year. And if you can survive the beginning, then you're in for a lot of fun with that. Those long runs, you know, you you can easily have 200, 250 laps of green flag run. And uh, but Dover to me is a different uh, ball game altogether. To me, it's a large Bristol. Uh, you're gonna have people uh, getting loose coming out of corners, or tight actually hitting the wall, coming down, blocking up the track. So that's uh, to me that's a that's a bigger survival race than oh, the yeah. 400 laps at Charlotte. Yeah, Dover. I'm that makes me nervous thinking about that because the track is just so narrow, and when they when it blocks up, there's just nowhere to go. You can't stop. I love Dover. It's a, uh, it is like Bristol, uh, sort of, but but not really. I mean, you can. It's hard to race at Bristol. Bristol's really a single lane racetrack, but uh, Dover, you can actually get around people if you're faster. Probably about my favorite track. Yeah, but with that uh, inside wall right there, and there's no apron <laughs> to get down, and you if anybody crashes in that section, it just blocks up the whole track, and that's what kind of reminds me of, like, the Bristol. What's interesting to me about Dover, at least how I have to drive it, is I'm on the gas coming up off too, but then I have to get off the gas where I'm going to hit the wall. And then I get ran over by the guy behind me who didn't have to get off the gas. But I'm off. I'm often lifting as I pull up onto that back straightaway. 
Yeah, it's a little different than the way I do it. I'm I'm more of the lifting in the center of the corner and then trying to get a good run off the edge. But uh, but of course, less my car is uh, tight and pushing than instead of hitting the wall, I'm really lifting. Well, I think my problem is that I'm trying to get back on the gas too early there in the center, and then I'm gassing it up coming up off, and it's just too much, and then I have to back down. Uh, I I need to learn to let it roll a little more through the center before I, I hit the gas. Exactly. you got to run Dover differently than pretty much any track on iRacing. I usually let it roll and even let the car shift up the racetrack in the center of the corner so I can really get a straight, fast runoff. Diamond? Right, yeah. All right, so we're going to be learning stuff off of Colton that week. Yep. <laughs> Remember, there's always Chewy 55's uh, track guides on YouTube. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Carlos has his uh, Chewy Side 55, and uh, he puts out the track guides for each uh, each track. And uh, Carlos is always fast at every track he's at, and so it's always good to see on the... Uh, and what is that for? That's so you can that... learn the line? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but uh, Carlos also goes over where he breaks, where he puts on the gas, how much he puts on the gas, you know, that type of stuff, and kind of show, shows you that uh, stuff. It's just, uh, you always just show it to try to get that fast lap, right, Carlos? Yep, and for those on watching on YouTube, this podcast, you know, you can, I'll put a link to my channel so you can watch some of them guys, even though they need updated a little bit. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, another thing that's coming up in a couple weeks is the Indy 500. So I believe we talked a little bit about that uh, last podcast, but uh, it's for four races and starts May 29th. And so I believe that we all plan to race that race and uh, should be a good one. Yeah, it's 29th through the 31st. Uh, like you said, four different races to participate in. And uh, I I don't think we've determined, you know, when are we going to run the Coke 600 versus the Indy 500? Because they're, they're both the same week there, obviously. No, um, actually, Indy 500 is going to be the week after. So oh. we got, yeah, we got the Coke 600 coming up and then the Indy 500 is actually going to be in two weeks. So that's going to be the same day we run Dover. I'm glad uh. they did that because last year I had a conflict, wasn't able to run the 500. Well, actually, I was able to run it since the servers crashed and all, and they had to reschedule it. But if, th if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have been able to run it because uh, Memorial Day weekend was busy. My only concern with uh, particularly the Charlotte and, and the 600 miles that we're driving is that we're driving 600 miles. Uh, we start racing at approximately 9 o'clock Eastern time. Um, I'm assuming that by the time we end up racing the last lap, it'll be about 1 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. Uh, a lot yep, of us yep. have to go to work the next morning, so it's going to be very tough to to run the full series of races with Charlotte and then in Indianapolis again another full race um, affecting time. Even though I think Indianapolis is going to be run earlier in the day. Yeah, that isn't necessarily a, a problem for me or for Mike since Mike's West Coast and I'm Central. Right. But uh, yeah, it's a, a Coke 600 is a four-hour race for me so at least four hours and uh so it, it does run past midnight but uh yeah i guess you could say i'm kind of hoping that all your east coast guys are kind of sleepy 
by that time. Maybe you can't make the finish. Yeah, just park your car and let us finish the race. Yeah, I know that that'll be a problem for me. Uh, I'm on the East Coast here, and uh, the weeknights will be tough because I'm still in school. Got uh, And now we've got into the school year testing going on, so I'm going to have to see how, how my schedule is and how I can work around that. Well, yeah, then I guess the nice thing for you, Colton, is that you can run the Saturday race and not have to worry about doing the 8500 that same same day. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm planning on. Yeah, and you know, usually with the NIS races, the regular distance, I try to run most. I try to run most of them, but with the Charlotte 600, I'll probably only run it once. Would be my guess. Yeah, for me, I plan to run it uh, my usual three times, two in the fixed, one in the open, and uh, see what I can what I can do. But it should be a I don't know, the 500 and the Coke 600 and Dover race should be pretty fun, I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all three. Especially after this long, long off week. It's just been uh, really tough for me after running 11 weeks straight in the uh, NIS series, and now uh, we have a week off all of a sudden. It feels odd. Hey, you find yourself uh, looking for stuff to do? Yeah, I was looking around and hosted. Uh, we, uh, I know a bunch of us ran uh, the other night uh, some kind of all-star event that somebody put up and hosted. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that all-star event was hosted by uh, Jeremiah Vincent. Uh, Want to publicly thank him for uh, hosting that. It ended up being a good, a good race, and I uh, did a good oh, job hosting Colton that. Oh, did Landis win that? Uh, yeah, I believe. Uh, yeah, I believe he did. Yeah, that one didn't come easy. I had to fight for that one. I had to fight for that one. Uh, uh, now you you kind of gamed it. You kind of gamed the rules. You want to tell everybody how that worked? Yeah, sure. Well, um, the way it was, they had four. What was it? Twenty-five lap segments, right? And then the ten lap segment at the end. The, the way they had it was, uh, the winners of the four twenty-five lap segments uh, would have to move to the back for the final ten lap segment. The Two of the guys, the two fastest guys, they won two each of the first segments, so they were the two winners. And uh, I finished around third, fourth, fifth maybe for most of the segments. Uh, ended up being able to come, be the leader, or actually second, because uh, I got a bad pit stop for that last uh, ten laps. Uh, I was able to get around the guy who was in first. The guys who were fast were way in the back. Uh, one of the guys almost caught me. If he had had one more lap, he'd have gotten me, but uh, ended up working out for me, got the win. So the gaming was purposely not winning those segments, so you wouldn't be sent to the back. Well, it worked out for me. Even if I, honestly, if I had tried to win those segments, I probably wouldn't have been able to because those guys were, they were faster fast, than yeah. me. But yeah, it just worked out that I was about the third fastest car. Nice. And... That's how you get the win in those. Yep. Right. Yeah, I'm just, I'm glad that uh, as far as the NIS schedule, I'm glad we're going to Dover and Charlotte the next two weeks, two of my favorite tracks. The past five or six weeks have been really rough <laughs> with all three short tracks. I don't love the short tracks. Um, Talladega, which I've already mentioned, I hate. And uh, it's Kansas, it's just been rough. I'm glad we're going to some different tracks now. Amen. Yep, I agree. All right, then uh, a new 
driving game came out, or it actually has been out, but they did their official release, which is Project Cars, and I do believe that uh, Carlos is the best one to talk about uh, Project Cars. So go ahead, Carlos. Well, that was basically my remedy for the off week for NIS series, so I've been Project Cars a lot this week, and I really don't even know what to say about this, and there's quite a bit to do, but I don't know, the graphics, simply amazing on that game. Just ridiculously good, especially when it rains, which is another thing there. That's one of the bigger things about Project Cars is the weather system. And that weather system can be dynamic, so you can have it, you can make four slots, you know, for your race session that you set up. This is all in single player because I haven't tried the multiplayer stuff yet, but, you know, single player stuff, you can set up slots that you want for weather and, you know, say you wanted to start clear and then you want it to end pouring rain, you can do that. Same with the time of day and night. It's a day-night cycle, so that's pretty cool. You know, set to a multiplier, so you can set it how fast it goes. That's pretty cool. And there's tons of... Not tons of cars, but there's a lot of cars you start off with. And what... I don't even know where to begin with that. There's... I don't know, like a thousand GT3 cars, what it seems like. You also... You have an old 1990s stock car, which is pretty cool. And I believe I said pretty cool like 30 times already, but okay. And, uh, tracks. Now here, you know, here at iRacing, there's tons. You know, every track is laser scanned. And when you get to project cars, you get, I don't know, like five or six that are laser scanned. And the rest don't seem to be. I don't know, it just seems weird and different. There's a career mode for project cars that has to do with, you know, you can start wherever you want, but... You know, if you want to make it like a real career mode, just start from the go-karts, which they have a shifter cart as well as a super cart, all the way up to an LMP1 race car, as well as F1, which they call a Formula A, but, you know, there's really not much else to say about this. You know, it's a good sim to pick up if you're just starting out in the sim world, as it's not, you know, too hardcore, and I believe it's meant to be targeted towards a more serious, uh, not serious, more casual racers well my question is the multiplayer stuff i mean is it like i racing where we're all gonna meet up and have 43 different people in a race oh not even close it's probably one of the worst aspects of that of the sim you know i racing is pretty much unbeatable when it comes to multiplayer racing right well i'm glad that uh it was your money and not mine to experiment with that. I did hear about it from a lot of people. I think there's mixed reviews. If you read around on the forums and stuff, uh, some people uh, really dig it, and, and other people are like, uh, you know, I can live without it. You know, being being more focused on single-player racing, you know, the AI is the most important part of any sim that has to do with something like that. And my best recommendation for that is GameStop Car, which is... You know, relatively cheap compared to other sims out there. And, you know, physics are top-notch as well as, you know, AI. But Project Cars, just forget it with the AI. They, It's like they don't even know you're there trying to shove you off the track. But, you know, if you want to give it a go, say when it's on sale, go for it. That's pretty much all I got about that game, so. All right, well, that was a pretty good review. Yeah. And uh, I know my son bought it. I've seen him play for about three days, and he was back on NASCAR 
Racing 2003, which is his favorite. So that didn't last him very long. Well, that's pretty telling right there. How old is he? Uh, he's 25. Wow, same age as I am. Yep. That's very telling. And uh, one thing I want to mention here is that uh, Christopher Perryman, who uh, who passed away that we mentioned on the last podcast, uh, his family is set up a, a GoFundMe site at uh, www.gofundme.com. Christopher, with that's with a K, Christopher Perryman. Um, let me spell that out for you. It's a K R I S T O P H E R P E R R Y M A N. So that's Christopher Perryman. Um, so they set up that site for uh, donations, and uh, so they, he has uh, three young kids, and uh, they can really use our help out there. So if uh, that's something that uh, you're willing to do, please go there. That's uh, GoFundMe at Chris, GoFundMe uh, forward slash Christopher Perryman. Yeah, I want to applaud the iRacing community. Uh, I, I found this link on Christopher's uh, Facebook page. Uh, his father put it there, and he's trying to raise money for the three young kids that need need help. Uh, he left these three young kids and a wife. And um, I was I clicked the link, and you can see who donated. And guess what? I look at that list of names, and every one of them is from the iRacing community. You know, uh, that really makes me proud to be part of this community. Uh, I intend to donate. I, I would like to everyone else out there to do it. Hey, just send them a couple bucks. These kids need it. Uh, this community is great, and I'm, I'm certainly proud to be part of it. I'm glad to see that uh, they're getting support out there when they need it. Um, and we always come together when, when somebody needs it. So uh, uh, kudos to everyone who's helping out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, last thing I want to mention here is that... Uh, if any of you guys have any questions or topics that you want us to discuss or even want to sit on our panel in a show, uh, you can go ahead and, and reach us on our Facebook page, which is uh, iRacers Lounge, or t our Twitter account, which is iRacers Lounge. Or you can send an email to uh, iRacersLounge at gmail.com. Um, or you can just private message uh, uh, Mike Ellis or Alan Pajari and... Uh, We'll slot you uh, either time on the show or uh, or make sure we bring up your topic or have a question that you might have. Uh, you can also find us on our uh, website, iRacersLounge.com. Um, you can find us on YouTube under the iRacers Lounge channel. You can find us on SoundCloud, iRacers Lounge. Um, we're also on Stitcher and uh pod track and you can find us on itunes and and spreaker so we're uh, all over the place and so you guys can always find and find us and subscribe and also uh, make sure you you send in those topics or if you're interested in being on the show let us know and uh, we'll get you on the show and you can uh put in your opinion too uh, one more running the show every two weeks i believe yeah, we're going yes. to switch the two-week uh, cycle. And the other thing I want to note is please, please go to iTunes and write a good review for our podcast. Uh, what that helps us with is gets us 
uh, higher up in the list in Apple and eventually onto their front page, their podcast page. Uh, so please take a moment and just, you know, hit five stars or, or leave us a note or a comment there on the iTunes app. And we would certainly appreciate that and make sure to subscribe. Yep. Anybody else got any closing comments? All right. So everyone, uh, good luck in your races that you got coming up and, uh, and have some fun and uh, see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us over on iTunes and Stitcher. See you on the track.